0: This is Laura Dierda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Pat Givens, Senior Vice President of Patient Care Services and Chief Nursing Executive at Children's Hospital Colorado. Pat, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Laura, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Um, And yeah, maybe I should just start with a little bit about myself and what I do every day.
0: That'd be fantastic. Uh,
1: so, um, Children's Hospital Colorado, uh, as as you know, is in uh, the Colorado area. We actually have four full service hospital campuses throughout the state of Colorado, and we serve a seven state region from Montana to New Mexico. We have over 500 licensed uh, pediatric beds, and the largest campus is the Anschutz Campus here in Aurora, Colorado, where we have over 350 beds. And I have the distinct privilege of serving, as you said, the big t- Title: Senior Vice President, Patient Care Services and Chief Nursing Executive, which essentially means I have the best job in the institution. Uh, I've been doing this role since 2016. And our mission at Children's is to improve the health of children through provision of high quality coordinated programs of patient care education, research, and advocacy. And as my title says, I primarily focus on the patient care aspect of things and I'm responsible for the care that's delivered in all of our sites. So like I say, I have the opportunity to work with some amazing people who uh, work directly with children and families.
0: Well, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And given obviously this past year has been really challenging with COVID-19 and other things going on. So what are your top priorities today?
1: Laura, that's a great question. And boy, have things shifted, right? Um, So I, I guess I would say in short, I'm I'm focused on recovery and reactivation of the services that we provide, but really in a different way than other kinds of situations that I've been in before. Um, Most of us in healthcare leadership have experienced in our tenure an emergency situation, right? And we typically use the approach of the phases of emergency management, if you will. This has been obviously a sustained emergency. It's been a pandemic. And so, you know, during the, the actual uh, peak of this experience, all of us were focused on response, uh, making sure we had enough personal protective equipment, making sure our team members were safe, making sure our patients and families and our communities were safe, responding to all of the science and information that we were getting on a day-to-day basis sometimes. So now we find ourselves uh, in the recovery phase and we're not completely out of the woods yet. And like I said earlier, in in an emergency, for example, a hurricane or or a flood or whatever, the recovery phase, you try to get back to what your previous normal was. This is really different for us. This pandemic has created some opportunities for us that we're looking at things a little bit differently. So for example, yes, the recovery of the services like ambulatory services, inpatient services, that's all definitely part of our work. But we also are playing a pretty significant role in public health, more so than what we typically do. Uh, We have a mass vaccine clinic that we are serving not just our patients, families, and our team members, but our community and ensuring that our our community is vaccinated. We've also seen a shift in how we deliver healthcare. So one of the things that we experienced, and I'll just give you some, a few little uh, key tidbits here. In 2019, we had maybe 2,300-ish telehealth visits. Well, with the pandemic, We converted very quickly and in 2020 saw ourselves over 128,000 telehealth visits. So our recovery in terms of delivering care now is expanded, not just to inpatient direct care, but certainly using technology and other other types of things. So that's why I say our reactivation and recovery is a little bit different than other experiences that we've had related to managing situations, emergency situations.
0: Got it. Got it. That, you know, it really paints a great picture of how things are changing and some of the ways that patient care really, you know, likely will be different in the future as well. How do you anticipate your role and your teams will evolve in the next 18 months or so?
1: Laura, that's a great question. So things are quite different. And, and like I was telling you, how the recovery phase has been different for us. This time of year, typically, our teens are responding to the respiratory and flu volume is starting to drop off because in children's hospitals, we kind of have a cadence of how things happen. January through April, we're usually seeing high respiratory and flu volumes, managing all those kinds of experiences. We start to see injuries related to spring and summer activities. Families are starting to plan for summer camps, and seniors are preparing for college, What's happening right now is we're still seeing patients with SARS-CoV-2. And again, uh, children are, we are just about, we just had approval, as you well know, to vaccinate children 12 and up, but we're still seeing children in the hospital with this virus. We are not seeing the other types of respiratory viruses or flu. And so that's been a different, a really different experience. And so we've had to kind of pivot how we are staffing. One of the challenges, Laura, that we have experienced is a really significant demand on our behavioral health services. And because children and families have been isolated at home, we have seen a lot of uh, children come into our emergency department with suicidal ideation and other signs and symptoms of emotional and psychological stress. So our team members have had, we've had really changed how we're staffing, prepare for these Changes and types of patients we're seeing, really focusing on our mental health needs of children. We've set up a behavioral health placement team to look at our entire system and help to ensure the scarce resources that exist in our community for pediatric mental health, we're trying to make sure that we can access those for the children we're serving. And then, like I said, we still have a pretty key role in vaccination uh, for our community. So I would say, you know, over the next few months, that's where we're going to be spending our time focusing on. And then you mentioned 18 months. So we need to think into the fall and the winter. And one of the big questions that we have is, is this going to be a fall and winter season? like we typically experience in children's hospitals? Or is it going to be different? So, for example, we've heard in Australia and and other countries in the Southern Hemisphere, they are seeing or they saw in their summer respiratory and flu season, which is not typical. So, the question we have is, are we going to start to see that? And so, things are, are shifting a little bit. So, If anyone has a crystal ball that can help us see into the future, um, that would be extremely helpful, but we are really trying to prepare for what we think may or may not happen. And then having been through this pandemic and having had to experience shortages of PPE and those kinds of things, those are also important factors in preparing um, supply chain as well as workforce. Workforce is another area that's a concern for us.
0: So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's really helpful to think about and know and just kind of look at, you know, some of the ways that this past year has affected what you're seeing today. And then looking forward, you know, how obviously the unknown can really throw curveballs at you, but making sure that you've got a plan in place for, you know, whatever plays out, I think is is really insightful.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, even things like, you know, we'll be wearing masks again in the fall in terms of the vaccine programs, will there be booster shots for these every year? I mean, there's several things that you, we just have to try to think about and anticipate. And as we get more information from the CDC and, and other, um, other groups, it helps us think about those things.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at obviously new information coming through at any point, do you feel like right now that your teams are, you know, prepared to make pivots and and be flexible or are there things that, you know, you wish you had or are planning to add to the team in the near future that will really put you in a great spot to react or, or be proactive as new information becomes available?
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we did early on in the pandemic is we at Children's Hospital set up a scientific advisory committee because information was coming to us like other places, um, you know, on a daily basis. And some of the information was good science and some of it, you know, was information and we had to judge whether this was valid information And so we still have that team of people available, and obviously, you know, people are gathering information, interpreting it, trying to think about how do we apply this to our operations and our planning. So that is something that exists for us. But, you know, one of the things, Laura, that we learned through this pandemic, which is a really exciting lesson to learn, is that when we come together and we identify what our priorities are, and during this whole time, our top priority was the safety of our team members and the safety of our patients and families and our community. We can't. We learned that we can do many things and it was a really, a lot of negative and bad things have happened to everyone throughout this country. But I think we learned about our capabilities and like I said, when we focus and we pull together the people that are content experts and we listen and we process and we learn from you know, maybe mistakes that we make or decisions we make, and we continue to kind of co- constantly do a PDSA cycle, we call it in our in our business, you're constantly looking at what you're doing. And so I think we just need to keep, keep approaching it this way. Now, what comes with that sometimes is a bit of change fatigue, <laughs> but it, it's important that we stay vigilant. It's important that we continue to um, gather data, interpret that data, make decisions, implement things, evaluate them. And that, that cycle, we, we need to keep moving on.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, what are you most excited about right now? And what makes you nervous?
1: Yeah. So I think I mentioned what makes me excited is that what we learned during the pandemic is that anything is possible. And we learned that in small ways and we learned it in large ways. We learned how important team members are and their contributions to coming up with solutions and ideas. And then I think as a nurse, my my background is specifically pediatric critical care nursing. I I guess was just reinforced to me that nurses in all settings across this country and globally play a pretty key role in caring for people. And sometimes when we don't have the technology or the medications or pharmaceuticals to cure or treat or whatever. Caring and compassion sometimes is the only thing that we can offer and comfort, obviously. And I guess it was exciting to feel, again, how important the work that we as professional nurses do, and all of us in healthcare, and all of our community members who work on the front lines, no matter what they do. So. Just exciting to learn those lessons again. Now, what I'm nervous about is our workforce. As I mentioned, change fatigue and exhaustion, and people have probably heard the term burnout in terms of resiliency. One of the things that we are experiencing as other healthcare institutions is people are very tired and tired physically. Thinking about you know the nurses. I, I had a nurse in our emergency department during the peak of of all of this was telling me in one shift she donned and doffed her personal protective gear 105 times and just think about that as part of your workflow. That's something that's added to the already busy day-to-day and hour-to-hour work that these folks do. So there's that physical exhaustion and then the emotional exhaustion of you know the unknown, the uncertainty. There were many times during this pandemic, all of us were uncertain about what was going to happen. And so I, I think um, I'm concerned about our healthcare workforce, not just for Children's Hospital Colorado, but for all of us, because All of us as consumers of healthcare should be concerned that we have people that are going to take care of us, right? And so I am concerned and nervous about that. And then making sure that we don't get caught uh, flat footed in relation to our supply chain and, you know, and in anticipation of a future pandemic or something that happens, I just want to be prepared. And so I guess maybe nervous is not the right word, but. I'm certainly vigilant, let's put it that way.
0: Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense and is a great way to look at things. Obviously, you know, you never know quite exactly what's going to be around the corner, but as long as you are prepared to to react and and do the best you can, you know, I think that will have the best outcome possible. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, can you share three important trends for emerging leaders in healthcare to follow? Sure, and I, I would
1: say these are not new, Laura. These are trends or maybe approaches that have been reinforced to me throughout this pandemic. And the first one is that your team members are your top priority. Um, you know, when you get on the plane and the flight attendant says, you know, if the cabin loses pressure, the oxygen will drop down from the ceiling, please put yours on first before you try to help anyone else. That's a principle that is really important in healthcare. And when I talked about concerns about our workforce being exhausted and leaving healthcare, as, as leaders and emerging leaders or leaders that are currently in roles, we have got to make sure that we take care of those who are take, taking care of patients, families, and our communities. So that's number one. Number two is flexibility in your leadership style. During the pandemic, there were times when many of us as leaders were called upon to respond in a way that we may see ourselves as servant leaders or we may describe ourselves as inclusive or whatever. There are times that we were called upon to be almost autocratic and in, in an emergency, making decisions and obviously gathering feedback, but you have to be flexible in your leadership style. You have to re- you have to be able to respond to the, the context and the situation and be comfortable. There's not one style that fits every situation. And so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And I guess the last thing I would say is that, again, not a new approach, but it's important to base your actions and your decisions on evidence. And when there's no evidence, trying to use scientific and other principles and, and your, use your experts and resources. As leaders, we're, we're not in this alone. And in fact, good leaders make sure that they surround themselves with people that have expertise that can enhance what you're trying to achieve and the goals and objectives. So yeah, those would be the three. I mean, I have a few other thoughts I could share,
0: but those would be my top three, I guess. Well, fantastic. Well, Pat, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. And I appreciate being here.